everybody. Welcome to the New Market Alliance Church Podcast. For more information on the vision, programs, and news of our church, be sure to check us out at www.newmarketalliance.ca. We'd like to encourage you as well that no podcast, no matter how good, can substitute for the experience of joining together in person at a worship celebration. That's where God really meets people, often through the love and ministry of others. At NAC, we meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. Now let's join this week's teaching. Nikki and I, for uh, some time, have had a, a holy discontent. For those of you who are visiting, we've been talking about a holy discontent. It's the, it's the things that we believe make God angry, a righteous anger. We, when we get angry, we sin, but there's a kind of anger that is righteous because uh, there's an injustice um, there's, a, there's a thing that uh, is not the way it should be. And so it's a righteous anger. Jesus got angry at things that were wrong in the world. And we have felt, Vicki and I, uh, around the same time, this holy discontent about slavery. There's more slaves in 2019 than in any point in human history. And um, much of it, of course, is around sexual exploitation. So our previous involvement at our last church was really more of an international exposure in places like uh, Cambodia. And when we were considering New Market Alliance Church and investigating them, we were so pleased that they were partnering in fighting this scourge. And also a little bothered that, that as some of you know, New Market is a bit of a hub, a bit of a hot spot for trafficking and for traffickers. And that's why I'm so glad there are people like Cassandra Diamond. I just want to invite her to come up. She and the good people of an organization called Bridge North are on the front lines and they're giving hope. And so we haven't heard from uh, Cassandra for a while. And so we partner with her. And so just tell us what's been happening with Bridge North. Thanks very much, Jonathan. And thanks to everybody who's here today and listening to my voice. I... I'm always ecstatic to be here with Knack and the Knack family because you folks have been my, some of my first support, actually. And so uh, we've been in this since day one, and we've been fighting human trafficking together. So even though I'm going to give you a report, a uh, very quick one, actually, about our, our doings and our dealings recently, I want you to know that I'm speaking about Bridge North, but I'm talking about us. So uh, it's very much a joy to be here. Also, did you know that the youth of this church, they have, um, on an annual basis, they've done an event, quite funny actually, and uh, they've donated funds to us as well. So it's certainly been from all persons, elders to the youth here at this church, and so thank you again. Bridge North really seeks to see an end to sexual exploitation in Canada. Our office is here in Newmarket, and we do serve the GTA, but we serve our municipalities, our province, and our country. We continue in that same vein with all of that work. Uh, We do so by restoring the inherent dignity and value of trafficked persons by meeting their emotional, psychological, and spiritual, physical needs. Basically, what I'm saying is that we are uh, essentially the, the feet and the hands of Jesus for trafficked people here in the region that we serve. 
We share the gospel by act, word, deed. Every day, all day, that's the deal. We do three things. Public education and awareness. Uh, we do advocacy and direct service. Let me just quickly update you about what we've been up to regarding public education and awareness. This last year, we've had the honor of training over 6,000 people to spot the signs of human trafficking. We've helped them to understand the cycle of human trafficking and how to help those who are being trafficked. We've trained police officers. We've trained social workers and social service workers, victim services workers, and other frontline staff. We also serve just the general public, moms and dads, grandparents who are concerned and who are the community because it is with the moms and the dads. It is with the kids that actually create the community. And if everybody in this room says, no, I'm not putting up with trafficking, right? It's the family, really, at number two Knack Street and the family at number four Knack Street that tells the family at number six Knack Street, we don't buy sex from girls. That's how we eradicate sexual exploitation. We don't put up with it in our homes and in our communities. Um, we've also um, done some amazing work, and this I'm super excited about. If you're a teacher in York Region District School Board, what we, we have done together is we've co-created the first protocol for disclosed and suspected cases of human trafficking. This was, yeah. thank you. This protocol um, has been rolled out to administrators, it's been rolled out to uh, superintendents, it's been rolled out to guidance counselors and alternative education teachers. This protocol was necessary. It's serving a, a district school board of 10,000 plus teachers and over 40,000 plus students. This protocol is now in the third largest district school board in all of Ontario. That means it's scalable up and down. We are not staying in York Region. We are going to take this protocol to Ontario and because we're going to help people that are not in our community as well because they're just as important. Uh, in September, bar any uh, catastrophic events, a teacher protocol, a teacher training will be rolled out. It'll be a 30-minute video, and that's from K to 12. No kidding. I know. We thought we'd get 7 to 12. We got K to 12. All of our teachers will be trained to spot the signs of human trafficking. You know, also, regarding our public education and awareness, I'd like you to go out to our booth after the service. Wipe us out. Don't leave me anything. Really don't. What I'm asking you to do is really join our public education and awareness team. Take something, leave it in the next appointment office that you're at. If it's a doctor, if it's an oil change, I don't know where you're going next, but after you flip through it so that you can tell somebody else, leave it there because somebody else is going to learn um, how to spot the signs or how to recognize uh, unsafe social media um, usage, right? So please leave it around and join us that way today. Advocacy. We also do a lot of advocacy. Um, we work at the provincial level. We've worked federally in past and we still do from time to time. We've helped to inform the National Action Plan recently, but we're really working with municipalities. Did you know there are 16 massage parlors 
in Newmarket alone. Newmarket alone. I'm not talking Aurora. I'm not talking Sharon. Newmarket. That doesn't include house-based brothels. We will be going into those parlors. We will be um, outreaching to those girls uh, and to other women and girls in the massage parlors to help those who might be trafficked find a way out. And so um, we also are helping the governments and municipalities to understand what mm, licensing does to those who are being trafficked. Direct service. This is the love. This is the reason I do what I do, for sure. Um, we are currently serving 22 trafficked women and girls. We work along the lines of crisis, stabilization, and reintegration. We provide these types of services to women and girls in our program. I think that a story I'd like to quickly share with you, um, because there's just so much you can share with direct service. I was speaking with a girl, and um, she was so confused. This guy is telling her that he loves her, and that um, together, you know, they can build this amazing life that is really a facade. It's not true. He's not trying to build anything with her. He's lying to her, and he's deceiving her, but she couldn't understand it. You know why? Because she didn't have anything else pulling her back. She didn't have the family unit that was supportive of her telling her that this wasn't really going to happen. She didn't have a community around her like I did when I got out of my trafficking situation. They didn't, she doesn't have a church community around her that can help her and guide her. And so through conversations, many in fact, we were finally able to share with her um, and reveal to her the truth, right? We peel back a lot of lies every day to expose the truth. And with that, she was able to realize that he really had no good intention for her. And we've now got her into a safe house um, where she is finding restoration and healing. That's only one story, and, and there's so many. But ultimately, with only 10 minutes, I want to tell you something. There is nothing better in this world than missions. There really isn't. If you, it doesn't matter, um, it doesn't matter what your job is, like has already been said today. The fact is, is if Christ is your savior, and if that man saved your life and you told him so, and you asked him into your heart, you're already on missions. Mm -hmm. And I want to thank you very, very much, Nack especially, because you've actually enabled me to live out my life in service for God to those who are trafficked. Yeah. So I just cannot thank you enough. Please join me back at our booth. We can talk more if you'd like, and I could share more about Bridge North at a later time. Amen. Thank, thank you, you Sandra. Just stay here for a second. Um, this, this morning when we prayed as a, as a leadership team, and you just said a 15-second prayer that just reminded me that as we meet right now, there are young women who are uh, enslaved. And I was wondering if you remember just that quick prayer that you prayed. And um, join us. Thank you, Lord, that now, right now while we're meeting here, you are working in the lives of somebody who is being trafficked this minute right now yes. in our community, oh Lord. And I know that you bring hope to a very dark place in someone's life this time at this moment. And oh Lord Jesus, I know your promises and they are sure and they are true. 
And I ask, oh Lord, that you will awaken those promises in the hearts of those being trafficked this day so that they'll recognize somebody who's coming to help them. Send, oh Lord, send, oh Lord, your justice forth. Blessed be only your name and your name alone, Jesus. And just increase the ministry of Bridge North. I pray that you would bless them, make them fruitful, increase their influence. Thank you, Lord, for this um, integration into the school system. What an answer to prayer, Jesus. But continue to just increase them so that we can, uh, through the power of the good news of the gospel, uh, eradicate evil in our lifetime. Um, God, Fill Sandy, I pray. I, I pray that you give her everything she needs as leader. And uh, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you give her uh, a hand? Thank you. I'd like to introduce you to Denise Voth, sort of newish to our NAC family. And she's the mother of J Jacob, who is up here. And um, she has a holy discontent. And I love that... Uh, a suburban mom has been so gripped by something that she's not just thinking about it and grieving about it. She's, you'll find she's doing something about it. And uh, let me just pray for you. Boy, we're doing a lot of praying today. What a novel concept at church to do all this praying. <laughs> Father, I thank you for Denise. I thank you for the way that you have gripped her heart and stirred her, not just sort of emotionally, but to action. I pray, God, that you would fill her with your spirit right now, give her boldness to proclaim hope and justice in the name of Jesus. Amen. Will you welcome Denise? Thank you. Uh, so when the whole topic of holy discontent came up and the pastor was asking if there was anyone out there that had any passion, anything that they were passionate about, that they wanted to share with the congregation, I really uh, felt that I should put up my hand. Um, my first exposure to the topic of human trafficking happened about five or six years ago. I was working as an office administrator at Valley View Alliance, and um, we, one of the things we did was open our building to different organizations in the community that just needed a meeting space. And this organization contacted us about having a meeting. It was the York Region Women's Support Network. And uh, just in, contact, in talking with them, we found out that human trafficking was happening here in Newmarket. The meeting they wanted to have was uh, kind of an awareness thing. Um, and so we were kind of surprised that five or six years ago, this wasn't in the news as much as it is today. Uh, to learn that there were trafficking victims here in our community. Uh, our, it really affected our pastor, and we kind of were wondering if there was something we couldn't do about it as a church. So we had someone from the RCMP come and just give an information night for members of our church to learn more about it. Um, the first thing we learned is the definition of human trafficking. Uh, which is the exploitation of people through force, coercion, threat, fraud, or deception into a situation which they feel they cannot ex escape. The exploitation part means that the person who is exerting the control is, is um, 
getting some benefit out of it, some monetary benefit, some material benefit from this exploitation. Um, we learned that there are three different major types of human trafficking, sexual exploitation, uh, which is when traffickers will control and mistreat women who are uh, in the sex industry, who are uh, coerced into the sex industry. And then there is um, a uh, forced labor, which I think is the next one on the slide there. And that is um, when someone in the construction industry or a restaurant worker um, is controlled and manipulated by those they've come to work for. They're um, put into a situation where they're mistreated, they're not paid or paid very little. Their identification is usually taken away. This is the workers who come from different countries to work in our agricultural fields around here sometimes are in this situation. And then there's domestic servitude um, where a job, the job of the nanny or the housekeeper uh, that is controlled and mistreated and um, that is also a part of human trafficking. We learned that this, t this happens in our community here in Newmarket and all across Canada and in different countries of the world and it might look differently in different places. Um, and we learned that if you see signs of it, that there, you should call the Crime Stoppers number. You see that in all kinds of places because they're, they're ready to do something about it. They have been trained and they know that it's happening. Um, the process of how this happens in Canada, specifically in the area of sexual exploitation, is girl, vulnerable girls are recruited or targeted in online communities, or just in a mall, at a bus stop, at a school. Uh, they're targeted by traffickers. Um, and the, the way it, you, it often happens in Canada is the trafficker will, will pretend to be a boyfriend. And they will enter into a relationship with this girl and they will give her all kinds of expensive gifts and treat her really nice and sell her on a dream. They're gonna make their, their dreams come true and then after a while, they will um, coerce them into doing something for them. Say, I need money really quick, can you just do this for me? And they'll get them involved in the sex trade. And then once they do that, they will control them and keep them there um, with threats, uh, with sometimes with violence, sometimes with drug addiction, but with threats and, and manipulation they will hold things over them. They'll have a video of them doing something really nasty and, and uh, say they're going to show it to their parents if they don't keep doing this for them. They will threaten um, other members of their family just to keep them under control. Um, so as, as I was hearing about all this at the ARCMP information night, I was kind of overwhelmed with um, just hesitation to get more involved um, because of the compassion if you have a compassionate heart and you get learn about this you really want to do something about it um, and you really kind of have a responsibility to do something about it once you see it this quote from William Wilberforce he was someone who uh, 
got involved with slavery in the 19th century. And this is something that he said to the people of the day when they were trying to abolish slavery. That you may choose to look the other way, but once you've seen it, you can never say again that you didn't know. So um, that's kind of overwhelming. And it was a hesitation definitely in my heart as I was learning about all of this stuff because I kind of felt like God wanted me to do something about it, but I was afraid. Um, a committee formed at our church just to figure out what we could do as a church. And I wasn't part of the committee, but I was watching things go on. Um, they had someone from the York Region Police come and talk to them. And they, they have a, a special task force set up, the York Region Police, to help victims of human trafficking. And the guy that came said that... Uh, as an undercover police officer, he would set up a date with a young girl online, and then when he showed up he, uh, to this date in a hotel room somewhere probably, another officer would join him, and they would talk to the girl, and they would find out what her situation was like and let her know that there was something that they could do to help. And a lot of girls are... Um, too afraid or too sold on the dream still, even though they're being trafficked, or, or too hopeless thinking there's nothing else I can do with my life now, that they are hesitant to accept help. Um, and usually it takes an act of violence from a John who's violent with them before they'll actually think about escaping the life. So they would continue to meet with these girls and talk to them until they were ready to, do, to, to get out. Um, but the biggest need that they saw when girls were ready to get out and they wanted to help them was a, a safe place for them to stay because these traffickers want to um, keep them. Uh, they uh, are making a lot of money off of them, and so they need uh, definitely a safe house to stay in. Um, <clears throat> and the... Uh, they, the only place that they had to send them to were shelters for women that were escaping domestic abuse, so uh, just a regular women's shelter. And um, it was kind of an uncomfortable situation because these girls that have been trafficked talk a little different and act a little different than your regular housewife. And these women are in the shelter with their kids, and they don't want to be around people like that. So the girls would often call after the first night and say, get me out of here because they don't want me here. Um, so that was the biggest need that they, the police told us about. Before I go on and talk about how God got me over my hesitation, we are going to watch uh, a little video that uh, might make you angry. It is a video of a trafficker talking about how he targets girls. So we're going to watch that. So that is a little bit of how trafficking happens here in Canada. And uh, this... The trafficker wasn't talking about something that also happens quite often is that they will transport these victims to another community where they don't have any family or friends or any support systems that they know about so that they are completely isolated. But he didn't talk about that. But um, <clears throat> that's a little synopsis of, of how this happens. My first emotional connection with the issue came when our committee decided to 
put some care bags together for trafficking victims because the York Region Women's Support Network and the York Region Police were telling us when these girls do come out, they don't, they don't, they don't have any personal possessions to take with them when you find a place for them to stay. So we are, put some care bags together and uh, just some toiletries, some clothing, some t uh, towel, face cloth, journal, candies, things to help them get started. And we did like 10 to 20 bags a couple times a year and uh, gave them to the York Region Women's Support Network and the York Region Police just to, so that these girls would have something to get them started so that they know that they would know that there was somebody out there that was thinking about them and that cared about them. And so um, uh, my first brush with the emotions, letting those emotions into my heart, um, was standing in a Walmart picking out a towel and a, and a washcloth for one of these bags. And I was just looking at all the towels and washcloths and I was thinking about the young girl that they would go to and the awful situation that she was in and, and being held there and, and um, just thinking about what color of towel would be cheerful and um, what I, how much I could invest in making sure that towel was soft uh, for, for her uh, ravaged body. And I'm like in tears standing in front of the towels in Walmart just thinking about that. Um, <clears throat> these bags that we made once or twice a year, uh, if you want to know how much it's happening here in Newmarket, they ran out of them every time before we could give them new ones. Um, now, God did bring some calm to my heart as he was making me more uncomfortable with an urge to do something myself about this issue. And the way he did that is he reminded me of something that happened a few years ago when I was a young wife. Um, I grew up in Nova Scotia, and I married somebody in Ontario, and I would often go home to visit my family in Nova Scotia. Uh, my, f my relationship with my father was a little bit distant. He wasn't around much when I was a kid, and my parents got divorced, and that distance was kind of grew after that. We still kept in touch, and when I went home to Nova Scotia, I would go to his house and sit in the kitchen and visit for about an hour, and that was about the extent of the visit with my dad. But one time when I was home, and I was staying at my sister's place, he called my sister's place, and he asked me if I would go to the horseman's club with him. And it was such a strange thing for him to do. Um, <laughs> but... As I was growing up, my, and my, uh, my dad was often out of the house uh, when we were kids because he grew up on a farm, the oldest of six kids. He had a lot of responsibility, and I think when he got married, he just wanted to get out there and have fun with his friends, so he was always at the pool hall or the Air Force Club or the Horseman's Club, and he was involved in all kinds of things like that. Um, and he asked me to go to the Horseman's Club with him this time that I was home visiting. And it was a real eye-opener for me um, because uh, everyone there welcomed him so warmly, like they knew him. And he introduced me to everyone and kind of showed me around, and I felt like he, he might be um, showing me off, being a little bit proud of me. But I felt even more as I, as I saw... Uh, he told me what he did there 
but I saw that he had relationships with these people. And I always, I always felt like he wasn't really a family kind of guy, but he, it, he clearly had family there. And he was showing that to me. And he wanted to make that connection with me. He was taking me and showing me part of his world that I had never seen before. And God reminded me of that and said, like, uh, that connection is really what this is about. It's not necessarily about the justice issue that you want to get passionate about, that they need your att- this issue needs your attention. It's about God, the Father, taking you on a walk and showing you part of his world. It's op- him opening up his heart to you and wanting to make that connection with you. And so that really calmed my heart when it came to thinking about getting more involved because I knew that God would be there holding my hand and that he was just opening this up for me because it's part of what's on his heart and he wanted to share it. So that was a big step forward. Um, And if you think about God's heart for this issue... Uh, he's, God has always been in the business of delivering people from slavery. We know that he rescued the Israelites in miraculous ways from slavery in Egypt. And he rescued them time and time again. Every time his people called out to him in the Old Testament, you can read story after story. Every time they were oppressed, they called out to God, and he rescued them. He delivered them. Um, <clears throat> we know that he wants to rescue these girls. They're, they're not just in physical slavery. slavery. Um, they are held and controlled emotionally and uh, mentally and physically and spiritually, not just by their traffickers, but by the enemy of their souls. And God wants to rescue them. We know that. Um, some of the scriptures that we, we're going to just take a quick look at One of them is in Isaiah 42, and this scripture, when I was 18 and I was away on a mission trip, God spoke to me through this scripture, and I didn't really know what it was about at the time, but I wrote in my Bible after it. He was talking about his people and being oppressed. This is a people plundered and despoiled. All of them are trapped in caves or are hidden away in prisons. They have become a prey with none to deliver them and a spoil with none to say, give them back. Who among you will give ear to this? Who will give heed and listen hereafter? And I wrote in my Bible, I will. I just felt that I needed to respond to that scripture. And I didn't really know what it was about, but now I do. Another scripture that really talks about God's heart for rescuing those who are oppressed is Isaiah 58 where God is talking to some religious people who like to make a show of their religiosity and their fasting. And he says, is not this the fast which I choose? To loosen the bonds of wickedness, to undo the bands of the yoke, and to let the oppressed go free and break every yoke. Is it not to divide your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into the house when you see the naked to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? So we can see here that God really has a heart um, to rescue people who are oppressed. And who better to answer that call than us, 
because we ourselves have been saved from slavery to sin. In the book of Romans, Paul talks a lot about how we were slaves to sin and how Jesus rescued us. And I really love the verse, Romans chapter 8, verse 2, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. Paul talked a lot about that, uh, that we were slaves. So who better to answer this call to help rescue victims that are of, of trafficking than us who understand what it means to be saved? Um, <clears throat> as I was opening up my heart more, I went to a conference that I saw a flyer go through the office at the church. It was a just conference on justice issues. And there was a lot of different issues talked about, but I knew they'd be talking about trafficking, and I kind of wanted to open my heart and say, okay, God, what do you want me to do? So I went to this conference, and there was something that the, the host of the conference said in the introduction on the very first day of this conference, and this sentence just stuck with me, and I thought it was a really good response to the issue of human trafficking. The sentence was this, if you see an injustice... Shine a light on it until it becomes so uncomfortable that it cannot continue. Um, <clears throat> yeah, the last one is okay for now. So this, uh, I thought this was a really good response to the issue of human trafficking because when you get involved in a passionate justice issue, sometimes people can get crazy and... Um, do things that can seem offensive. And I didn't want to go down that path, but just the idea of shining a light on this issue that likes to hide in the dark uh, was the motivation for everything that, that came next and what God led me to do. Um, and so that's kind of been my motto. I came home from that conference and I just decided to pray for a while longer to keep learning and to really listen to hear uh, what exactly, specifically, he wanted me to do. Um, when I came back from this conference, our committee had kind of grown and kind of uh, morphed into another organization called You Are Home, which you can put up on the screen now. Uh, and You Are Home is an organization that uh, is looking to build a safe house. As I said, one of the greatest needs when these women are rescued is a safe place for them to stay. Um, so uh, the U R Home was formed, and the U and the R stand for Underground Railroad, kind of an honor to those who helped to bring slaves from the United States to Canada uh, during the time of abolition in the 1900s. So. Uh, that's the name that they came up with, and they were working on getting charitable status, and they were taking some time to do that because um, they wanted to get it right, and so they were really working on that. In the meantime, I felt that God was just leading me to think about raising awareness, like shining that light so that more people would find out about what human trafficking was, how it happens in Canada, and that it happens right here. So... I um, made a business card with signs to look for and the Crime Stoppers number on it. And um, I set up a display and I decided that I could 
put this display up just in community trade shows. There was a couple of ladies that put up trade shows at different times of the year, and if they had space, they would let me set up my table for free because I was just giving out information. Um, and so I put this display together, I put a business card together, I got brochures and posters from the RCMP, and I would just set up this display wherever I could and then just talk to anybody that seemed interested as they walked by. Um, I found some items that were good conversation starters, some t-shirts and jewelry that were made by survivors of trafficking in other countries. Uh, there are a lot of organizations that work with women in other countries uh, that have been rescued from trafficking situations and one of the things they need is an income because they're usually in a poverty-stricken area. So some of these organizations set up businesses for these women to get involved in and they make these t-shirts and these jewelry pieces and those red little bracelets are made by rescued victims in Nepal. And so I got some of those as conversation starters um, and awareness raising pieces that I could put at my table. And I really enjoyed talking with people uh, in this, just out in the community and shining a light on this issue. They're, they fell usually into two categories, people that knew a little bit about human trafficking, but maybe not the extent or the way that it happens in Canada or the fact that it happens here in Newmarket. And then there was the other group that people f usually fall into where they know nothing about human trafficking except they've seen the movie Taken. Maybe some people <laughs> here are in that spot. I think it has uh, grown in awareness over the, just the last few years. Um, but I enjoyed being out there and, and especially talking to people that didn't know anything about it because I felt like I was shining that light. I uh, made a goal to go to the National Women's Show in Toronto. Uh, that happens every November. Um, but I'm like doing all of my own fundraising for this and the, the exhibit space at the National Women's Show costs $1,700. So that's still a goal. Um, I think I've raised about half of that so far, but if it doesn't happen this November, it'll be next November that uh, we're gonna go to the National Women's Show. Um, and uh, I believe that uh, someone from your home will come with me as well. Um, but that's going to be a great place because 30,000 people come through over the weekend and there will be lots of people to talk to there. Um, maybe human trafficking is not your issue. Maybe there's some other issue that people have talked about over the summer that is going to resonate with you and God is going to give you that uncomfortable urge to do something about it. Um, and I just wanted to say that... A couple of things that God has taught me. Um, when he gives you a vision to do something, you, I, I really felt like I couldn't make any assumptions about how that was to work out, that I really had to be, continue to keep my ears open for, for his guidance because sometimes when you feel like you've got a vision, you, you think you know how it's going to work. And we've got to remember that God's ways are so much higher than our ways. And if we have a vision in mind of how something's going to work and when it's going to work and it doesn't work out that way with our relationship with God that can really affect our relationship with God because if it doesn't work out the way we thought it was going to we can get disappointed with him and so I wanted to be very careful all the way along 
and really listened because I didn't want that to happen. And I wanted to remember, like, if when God gives you a vision, you don't hold on to the vision. You hold on to the one who gave you the vision. And anything he gives you, you should hold with open hands. And so he taught me to every day with this issue that can be overwhelming and can take over your life, if not just your heart, to, to lay down that vision at his feet every day and to just wait for him to put something back into my hands because it's his. Um, so that's whatever your issue is. If you're passionate about something, some things to remember. Um, so I'm wrapping things up now, but I want you to know that you can come to the table after the service to learn more about human trafficking. There's all kinds of RCMP information, and there's, of course, Cassandra's Bridge North table with all kinds of really good educational information. Um, you can take one of those business cards to remind you. Just put it in your wallet, and it'll remind you to be on the lookout for the signs of human trafficking. And it has the Crime Stoppers number on it so that you can um, do something about it if you see anything. That's what we want is, as we shine this light is that more and more people know about it, the more uncomfortable it's going to be for this to take place in our community. Um, we'll also have some UR Home information. They did get their charitable status, and they are looking for board members, and they're looking for people to get involved with the care bags that they do. You can sign up for updates about the safe house that they're going to build here in York Region. And, uh, and visit with Cassandra. And finally, another thing that you can do is pray. You can pray. If this is something that's touching your heart, take it with you for your prayer time. Pray for the York Region police officers who are still talking to women all the time. Pray for the women themselves who are in that situation to see some light, to find some hope, to, to be open to... Um, to escape. Pray for the traffickers, which um, is something that's a little off the board, but God cares about them too. And they are, I think, sometimes must be even more trapped than the girls with what's going on in their hearts. Just pray for them to, to have a light turn on that these people, these women are valuable. Because I think if we had a trafficker who reformed, I think it would be awesome, don't you think, to, to, to go around and talk to people about um, how they got out. That would be awesome. Pray for the organizations like You Are Home and Bridge North and, and for that light to keep shining so that we um, do make it more uncomfortable out there. And that's all I have Um, I, I hope this doesn't sound patronizing. I'm just deeply proud of you. And uh, I, I imagine a lot of this is outside of your comfort zone. But this is what I was talking about young people who are part of this youth leadership team. You know, when God calls you to something, um, to be a missionary in your own community, to be an ambassador in your own community, thank you for listening to God's call and obeying. I challenge all y'all to do that. And uh, some of you may be asking, what does this have to do with, with Jesus? Well, everything. Here's what Jesus said when he announced his ministry. He said, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim 
good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Literal oppression, figurative oppression in the sense of, of, the, of the chains that need breaking in our own life, of, of addiction, of wounding, of a, a father wound perhaps. I, I think many of us need chains broken in our life, but there are literal slaves, and Jesus came for all of them.